Hey guys, Ian here with another episode of Unleash and Unhinged, the podcast where we talk about all things dog. Dog training, dog behaviour, dog health, literally anything you can think about when it comes to dogs, we'll talk about on here. We hope you enjoy the episode. everybody welcome back thank you so much for tuning in again today we've got mike purcell from all canines uh all the way from the states welcome to the show man thanks for being here yeah, thank you thank you for having me oh man i've been looking forward to this one thank you so much it's uh i've been following your stuff online now for a little bit um and it's really cool just to see everything come up but um you know i know a little bit about you but if you don't mind just introduce yourself a little bit and tell everybody a bit about yourself Sure. So, uh, like you said, my name is Mike Purcell. Um, I'm the owner of All Canines, uh, based out of Philadelphia, PA, uh, in the States. Um, if you can see too, I'm wearing my Eagle shirt, huge Eagles fan, big win last night. I am a certified professional dog trainer, um, knowledge and skills assessment. So, you know, I know all around the world, there's all sorts of different certifications and certifying councils and things like that. My certification comes from what I believe is kind of um, at that gold standard uh, in the States. You know, I'm a firm believer that education is a, uh, it it really shows what you know um, and what you've learned in life. You know, we all trainers have experience. um, So education is what, you know, sets sets the good ones apart from, from the ones that are just kind of going off of, uh, Hey, I tried this one time. So yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, at all canines, we really are looking to coach individuals, um, not just train dogs. We're not just teaching sits and lay downs and stays. We are teaching, um, uh, humans how to bond with their dogs, you know, how to pet dogs properly, you know, what, what are good recalls, you know, recalling your dog and snatching them. Don't do that. Right. So um, the little things, right. uh, There's such a human element in dog training. So that's really what we uh, look to do and look to look to teach people. Yeah, man. I mean, that's something I've been able to just, just through observation um, from afar through, um, you know, through social platforms and what have you like seeing, you know, the messaging that you're putting out there and the way that you work, it's very much not just about trying to get the dog, you know, training the obedience for obedience sake, but very much like trying to integrate it into like, how does, how does dog training help your life and genuinely bring value to the dog's life and to the family's life? That's, that's my impression from watching you from afar anyway. Yeah, absolutely. It really, um, it's about creating that that bond, that human dog bond. It's not, you know, so many people like to call their dogs, their babies and, you know, their children and things like that. And, um, you know, funny that, that, that will be a topic that we're, we're going to discuss, uh, you know, kids and dogs. Um, but I think how we as humans perceive dogs, um, plays a big role in how we treat them. And, and I think it's interesting too, you know, what over the course of, I guess, the last 50 to 70 years, how we're training dogs, 
right? The tools that we're using or not using, I think there are certain tools that have become so popular and many people think they need to use them in order to train their dog because they don't know any other way. Um, they've never learned a different way. And even if they've heard about it, they don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so they might shy away. But, um, you know, what I really do try and show is you can teach and train your dog just about anything you want to. And you don't have to pop leashes. You don't have to hit buttons unless they're on clickers. You know, you don't have to shock them or stimulate them, yell at them or do any of that. It's not easy, right? You might want to at times. It's frustrating. It's hard, but you're, you as the human are learning a different language. You have to learn how to understand your dog's body cues, which is hard for people. We're, we're verbal animals, right? Like we, we do take visual cues. We know how to read them, but, but dogs are all body language movements. So if you don't know what they're saying, um, that there's miscommunication there and that's going to have an effect on what you are then asking or looking for from your dog. But it's no different than people. People miscommunicate all the time and it's okay, right? Like, so we don't need to, we shouldn't demand so much out of our dogs. It is, it ebbs and flows on a daily basis. It does not need to be, nor should it be each and every day. My dog should listen to me just exactly as they did the last day, if not better, Right. Like they need to, you know, come at all of my becking calls and sit every single time I say like that is no, <laughs> that's not a relationship. That's not not a healthy one. At least. That's exactly right. That's like, you beat me <laughs> to it. There, It's not a healthy one. And it's it's funny because like a minute ago you were saying, you know, where dog training has come from and how it's evolved. And it very much used to be for military purposes. And it did used to be very much like an instruction. And I've, I've talked about this on another episode where I've talked about um the the old methodology was very much an obedience model where like we instruct you must obey. And we've talked in the past about language and like how important that is because even just the way we frame the conversation with the dog and we go, okay, well, we're encouraging you to engage in a dialogue, right? Like if you prompting the dog to do something, that is the beginning of a conversation, but the dog has a voice and their response is up to us to respond appropriately, to, respond appropriately to. And could you imagine like going back to your point around like if it was a human relationship and a miscommunication and every single time we didn't understand what the other one said, we resorted to violence. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's just be blood in the streets everywhere. <laughs> Fucking chaos. <laughs> like, but like the expectations on our dogs that they must obey. Like otherwise yeah. I'm gonna I'm just gonna zap you on the with like a little button that I've got in my hand. Like because you didn't do exactly what I said when I said it. Like yeah. that's that's a pretty warped sense of power, isn't it? Well, and to go back to your point of the the military dog, right? You, you know, there is I think a lot of people like that idea of that mm. kind of dog, right? I think that's a control thing. Yeah. I think there is a, there is a big ego element in it of like, we as people, we want to be able to say something to our dog and then our dog does it. 
I think there's a sense of pride, uh, ego, especially, Mm -hmm. but there is a sense of pride when our dogs do something, especially out in public. But then there's a huge sense of embarrassment, which I see much more often than the pride when our dogs don't do things out in public and we're trying to get them to do it. It's interesting where people put their pride, right, though? If if you put your pride in that, because I used to. I've been there, I've done it, and, I, and I've been down that road. But, man, like, these days, I genuinely do not care. As in, like, of course, I would love my dog to listen to me. But if I, no matter what situation I'm in anymore, like, if I ask my dog to do something and they don't, the thing that actually matters to me now is how do I respond in a way that is kind and fair to the member of my family? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not what make down the road things of me. Because if yeah. So I like to, I like to look at training, um, or describe training, you know, and a way for, you know, my clients to view it from a, you know, what I call the Navy SEAL training where, you know, they will do the same thing over and over and over again, day in and day out for two, three, four weeks, just so that they can be able to do one thing for four hours. And be done. Right. And like that training, quote unquote training, it's not, it should not be viewed like a workout because training is really just communication and you're doing that all day, every day. Now there should be what I like to call formal training where, you know, you got your treat pouch, you got your clicker, you're going into it. This is what we're working on. This is where we're at in our training plan or progression and this is where we're looking to get to. That's your like that's your time to practice and make mistakes and you know do all that. And then the rest of the day, that's your informal training. But you're still training. Uh-huh. Like it, it's really what it is. And when you are training, it should always be in that mindset of like I'm training for that one time when I really need this. Right? Like you yeah. should be recalling a thousand times not because you need your dog to be successful every single one of those thousand times, but you should be doing it for that one time when there is a squirrel yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you need your dog to come back to you. Like yeah. that's, that's what it should be for. Training. What do we say? Like training for the situation, not in it. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of people can be reactive to situations, right? They look to start implementing the training when they're already stuck in the mud, yeah. it's like you, you, you know, you waited too long at that point. And especially if the dog is reactive or whatever it might be, you may have lost every opportunity to train and, you know, for the dog to learn. Um, yeah. Makes it hard. And that's, just, <laughs> I mean, it's funny though, isn't it? Cause like that's, I mean, I'm not, I'm not mad about anybody for it because that's us as a species in general. You know, we're, we're, we react. And it's very hard. I was literally listening to a book today, and I can't remember what it's called because I just started it, but it's um talking about this. And it's very hard for people to think upstream. Like, you know, think think ahead and plan for eventualities. It's of course it's logical. And I don't think anybody could argue otherwise. But damn, it's not easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're we're great at planning uh vacations and trips and things like that, but maybe not necessarily um thinking ahead um 
Yeah. Uh, to, to kind of go into it a little bit as far as thinking ahead and preparing, um, you know, one thing that I have uh, been doing a lot of, you may as well, is baby prepping. Yeah. And I was going to bring it around things. exactly the same way. I love this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, doing things months ahead of time, right? Just um, bringing in different pieces of furniture, um, different equipments, uh, even if it's for a short period of time. Uh, we have um, we don't have a huge house, so we have a storage unit um, not too far from the house. So we've been kind of like bringing some things in, taking them out. Um, but yeah, preparing for preparing for a new human in the home. Yeah, uh, it's a, it's a huge one, and funny, it's one that I have a lot of people reach out to me about, and then those same people you don't hear from. <laughs> and I think it, I think baby prepping is one of those things where it's like you can't you can't do enough of it. Just getting getting your dogs comfortable with things in the house, noises, um, sound desensitization um, is huge. We're we're kind of fortunate. Um, our neighbors they have they have two little ones. Uh, their youngest just turned a year old. So for the last year. Their, their youngest has been crying and we've been able to hear him through the walls. So we've been getting plenty of sound desensitization, which has been great. Nice. Um, but it's a real thing, you know, preparing, preparing your dog, preparing yourself for a huge change. Yeah. And like for anybody listening in, um, the clarity, like at the time of listening to this, both Mike and I will have had children that's, that's so we true not, yeah we do not have those children yet Mike's yeah, already no, got we one. Don't, but, but uh, yeah a couple only a couple weeks out <laughs> so this is uh this is what i mean we were talking off air uh about like you know how do we pick the episode and i always try to get the um, encourage the guests to choose what they want to talk about and we were saying like how did we not arrive at this topic earlier? Cause it's both <laughs> so important to both of our lives right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh man. I've yeah. Just with cribs and clothes and <clears throat> here's, here's a funny one. So our Bella, she's a, uh, she's a 90 pound uh, boxer Mastiff mix. Mm-hmm. She, um, she has been known to eat socks. And what do little babies have? They have little feet. <laughs> um, so even, like even that's their something. Full clothing, their full clothing is about the size of an adult sock. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so that is something that I have been keeping a, a big eye on, right? Like when as clothes are out and Bella's around, not here's my biggest thing, not being reactive to Bella sniffing a sock. Uh right like that's not preparing for your dog for new things new items to be placed around the house we don't need to make a big deal out of it we don't want her to eat them right so if if Bella started you know maybe putting her mouth on it um I I would say something but even then Uh what what I find in a situation like that, whether we're talking baby socks or chicken bones, um, so many owners and handlers, and I, I really, 
I love calling owner, owners handlers because I truly, they are like, if you own a dog and are walking a dog on a leash, you are handling a dog. If you're communicating, you're handling a dog, like doesn't matter. You are a handler, but so many are reactive to the leave it, right? Like, Oh, the dog sees this, leave it, right? Pulling, pulling the dog away. And even if you don't have a prong collar on that dog, and even if you are positive reinforcement, you know, mindset, you're pulling, you're physically pulling your dog away, even if they're on a harness. And I can almost guarantee if they're a big dog, even their paws might even be coming off the ground because if it's a chicken bone, you definitely don't want them to have it. And you're, which I understand, right? Safety first, but this is something that is happening to things that are not chicken bones. So, but rather than being reactive, you know, call them over to you, you know, come here, right? Like just come here or the name. So my favorite thing in when I start working with somebody is the name game is what I call it. And I say, I don't care how well you think your dog knows your name. I'm interested in how they respond when you say it. Uh If they're looking at you when you say their name, now you can start a conversation, right? Now you have engagement and focus and that's where it all begins. It's like, don't be reactive and stop telling your dog what you don't want them to do. And instead go to what you want them to do. You're going to save yourself a lot of trouble. Oh, mate, you just raised like uh, you've opened a can of worms there, like in all the best ways, <laughs> all the best ways possible. Like, first of all, like any name, your name, my name, any bloody name is not a direction. It is just an attention grabber. If you say Absolutely. it, if you say it, your dog's name, all you're trying to do in that moment is put yourself in a position to have their attention so that then you can give them a cue. Like how many times do we hear that people go like, Alan, Alan. Alan, I would love to yes. name a dog Alan, by the way. Is yeah, but, and, yeah, <laughs> like that's not that's not your recall, right? Like, and I, I it's just, yeah, <laughs> right. But then you like the, your your point there around like explain to the dog what you'd like them to do, because let's just break down what you just talked through there. That scenario of when somebody says leave it and they rinse that dog away, don't care what the dog's wearing, they pull that dog away. Um, when they've said leave it. What we've, what we've essentially taught them is leave it is a cue for we're now going to get into a physical race for that item. Yep. And I will explain to pretty much anybody that will listen, don't get into a race with a the dog. They're fucking faster than you. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it's just yeah. not a very intelligent thing to do. Nope. And if you create a race for something that is on the floor, you will lose 99 times out of 100 against your dog. But also, the word leave it, I think people, people get the word leave it like all mixed up, right? They, they concentrate on the dog not picking up the thing, which is not a behavior, right? If, it's like, if I said leave it, what I want really is my dog to come away and usually to a specific area that maybe I've targeted with my hand or something like that. I want the dog to understand that when I've said the words leave it, it means do this specific behavior. And it means walk to me and put your nose on my hand or take a treat from my hand or something. Because training the dog to leave it with the intention of them not picking up the food is like trying to train a sit, but concentrating them on not standing. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you, you don't train that way any other behavior. 
but the word leave it seems to have people warped in their understanding of it. Yeah. You know, I see a lot of mistakes with leave it as well. Like it's well-intentioned, but you know, oftentimes it's the, you know, the handlers are pulling the dog away before they've even said, leave it. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, now certainly this depends on what the item is, right? Like if we're talking chicken bones, no, but you know, if okay, if yeah, well, premise flower, it like, if, it, if it's a safety concern, do what you need to do. But that's how about this? A, 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 a pile of poop. How many times have you know somebody leaves their poop? Right, I let my dogs sniff. Yeah, same. Like now, you know, if your dog's eating poop, don't. But at the same time, you do not have to call your dog off of every object that they want to smell. I mean, if anything, you're doing them a disservice. Like, let them smell the things. They will just get more comfortable in their own environment. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, the leave it is, while well-intentioned, I think is often, it's just misused. And, and my big thing, too, is, if you can call your dog off of a chicken bone with a recall, you got a, probably a pretty strong recall, which means that you are probably somebody who has a dog that can be off leash in certain areas. Um, you know, you, you're going to have a dog that is going to be afforded a lot more freedoms in life because you're not focusing on telling them what you want them to stop doing, uh-huh. but you just use very consistent, right? Oh, you know, come here, come here. Right. And then they come to you or their name, right. Getting that eye contact. Good. Right. And you, once you have that engagement and focus and you can take that, you can take it anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, I mean, a hundred percent, right. I, I'm going to, I'm going to bring this back to the dogs picking up socks. Yeah. Because Right. This is something I'll see as well, really commonly. The Let's say, okay, the, uh, they've called us and about the dogs picking up and stealing items. The first thing I'm going to look at, obviously without jeopardizing safety, I don't want to have to keep saying that, but Jesus, somebody will write in. <laughs> but like, um, uh, yeah, <laughs> do you know, know what I mean? Redundant, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's people out there that are just sometimes just looking just for waiting. the tiniest stuff up. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but... The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to look at what's motivating them stealing it because some dogs want to pick it up, take it away and chew it. And I'm going to look at that and go, is that valuable to me? Because if you take that away and chew it, but it doesn't get destroyed or I actually don't care if it gets destroyed, I won't intervene. If they're going to pick it up and ingest it, I'm going to probably do a quick risk assessment. Is that toxic? Is it going to cause blockage? Otherwise, again, don't really care. But the big reason that I see off the back of Maybe the dog in the past has done something that's caused a bit of anxiety or fear about the, in the, in the handler, uh, an owner, um, picking things up with their mouth, but they start to then over police. And mm. I start to see the dog do it because the dog gets tons of attention and the dog loves getting into that race or playing. That's a great away. point. Yeah. I mean, what, what do a lot of people do once their dog picks up something, right? Whether it's, dangerous or not it could be a napkin right they ah, they freak out <laughs> they shorten up the leash um they start reaching their hands in oh my i have seen people 
reach their whole hand in a mouth, which, by the way, just to preface, if anybody ever did that to me, they get bit. We would have serious (laughs) problems. Like, I, I don't. I don't understand where people think they have the clearance to just be able to shove their entire fist into their dog's mouth. But if I were your dog, I would clamp down because that is just so intrusive. Mm-hmm. And there is, you should not be in an area where your dog is picking up anything that is so harmful that you need to shove your entire fist down their throat. Like mm. don't do that. The, the, I think of the after effects of that too, like the amount of stress that that probably causes in that moment is probably something that lasts for like several days, mm. you know? And like, that is something that can, you know, with trigger stacking, that's something that can linger, linger around long enough that it can create, you know, other issues, but and even then, why are you like teach a drop, right? Like teach your dog to just drop something. Like, why are we? Cause these things are not difficult to teach. I think it's, you know, I think something like a leave it is so reactionary that it's only outside of maybe the beginning stages of what, like the person having food over or their hand over food, right? And saying leave it. But outside of that, especially outside it's all based on opportunity mm-hmm. right dog gravitates towards something leave it right you're you can your walk gravitates for something leave it nothing the environment is never controlled by the handler so it's not necessarily a formal training situation where you're actually working on something you're simply reacting to the dog's movements yeah right they start to they start to go a little further to the left Oh, I see a piece of trash. I'm automatically thinking my dog is going for that. Leave it. Right. And, and at that point, you're now, you're, you're saturating your, your cue. You're, you know, jerking the dog around again, re- regardless of what you have on, you know, what tools you're using. It, and it just, it becomes nothing. Leave it is nothing. Your dog doesn't care. Your dog's never really going to listen to it. Uh, At least when it comes to food I, I've or seen things on the ground. The amount of dogs that I've seen now, and I mean, I am talking hundreds of dogs at this point that I've seen have, that I've learned that, that uh, whether that's the word leave it or the beginnings of pressure on the lead as they start to pull it away. And the dog has learned, if I don't increase my intensity and pull harder, I'm not going to get there. Yeah. And, and that's what they do. They go, you're going to put, you're pulling me back. So I'm going to beat you to it. And yeah. The dog's timing's good. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you said that to um, kind of come back to where we were starting with kids. <laughs> yeah. Um, right? So we were talking, you know, a little of prepping. Um, and I, I, I do have a big question that I want to ask you there. But before, with older children, right, and, and dogs, um, you know, especially dogs that are jumping, um, which if people have not figured this out yet, most of their dogs jump because they are the primary <laughs> reinforcer of the jumping. So if you have a dog that jumps, there's a really good chance that you yourself or somebody within your house is reinforcing all of that jumping, um, or friends and family are reinforcing all of it. 
So if your dog is one that jumps on strangers or, you know, young children, um, it is likely because they're being reinforced by many, many people. Um, and with young children too, uh, I, I just look at young kids as like live squeaker toys. <laughs> they squeal, they squeak, they run around, right? Like they are, um, yeah, they are like just big live squeaker toys for dogs. But dogs jumping on kids, right? What, no, don't jump, right? You leave it. It could even be yeah, <laughs> something that people say, right? And 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 when you're creating a pattern for a, a cue like leave it, that is, um, it's resistant, right? Dogs going this way, you're pulling this way, right? Mm-hmm. What is the dog going to want? Like you said, it's going to want that object even more. You're going to raise the arousal levels. What's going to happen if it's a kid and you're saying no, and there are, you know, you're pulling them back, you're pulling them back, you're pulling them back. That dog's just going to want to get to that kid even more. Uh-huh. And if the kid is not instructed on how to properly interact with the dog, a- any dog, that dog specifically, that could create even more, right? Like if the, the kid's being like, ah! And spinning around and, you know, depending on how old they are, hopefully it's not like an eight or nine year old doing that. Um, drives me nuts when I see older kids just having no clue how to handle themselves around dogs. But, but still, um, kids are unpredictable just in the way that dogs are. So you might not know your kid could be the most well-behaved child in the world, but you don't know how they're going to act around every dog. No. They might squeal a little bit, and that's okay. But yeah, learning for that dog, much more effective for the owner to, instead of being like, no, 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 and pulling them back, and then pushing the butt down and, you know, forcing the dog into, a, a, you know, a position that they will not keep because they're too excited. So much more effective, just call the dog back to you. Come here. Right. And then have them sit down next to you. Good. Right. And I like to, you know, I I think it's um, Susan Garrett who calls it like the reward zone, Mm -hmm. Um, like next to you, kind of that heel position. I'm not like, oh, it should all be there, but I'm absolutely like that's a good a spot as any. Right. (laughs) Like it's a great spot if you're going to reward your dog. And, And her principle is if you've rewarded the dog for where that you want them to be, you will find them there. Right. Yeah. Like, and she's, we talk there, you know, if you've rewarded your dog about for being next to you a lot, you will find your dog is there a lot. But if you've scatter fed off to one side in the same, in a similar place every time, like let's say it's jumping up when people come in the door, if you've scatter fed like down the corridor, every time somebody comes in, guess where you'll find your dog a lot. Like your dog yeah. waiting, waiting for, down the corridor for that food that you've scattered in the past. And absolutely, this goes back to something that you said earlier, uh, talking about the Navy SEAL stuff, right? Because training on repeat until the skill is super fluent, like super, like well drilled to the point where you are doing it as your automatic response. So, you know, when I see my dog, going to pick up a sock or if I see my dog going over to the child and I don't want them to jump up on them, the same principles apply, right? Because what I don't want to do is concentrate on what I, what I don't want them to do. So 
in order for it to be like an automatic response from me, I need to have rehearsed and practiced the thing that I want them to do. But I mean it in that I'm going to be pedantic and pull my own language apart there. I need to have practiced it. I don't yeah. always, I don't just need my dog to have practiced it. And yes, I need my dog to be good at it, but I also need to be so good at it myself so that when I see that, even if I do use the word leave it, or if I don't care if I say it in Spanish, right? I will say the words that I've rehearsed and I will do the thing that I've practiced. Yep. And, and, would, and if I've practiced a really solid recall in that moment, my dog's walking over to the front door. Hey, Odie, come here. Right. Without fail now, because it's rehearsed. It's as soon as I yeah. see my dog going towards where I don't want them to be, I'm not going to go, Hey, stop it. Because I haven't practiced that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's, um, that is how you would communicate to a child, right? You would yeah. get them to stop in that moment, but dogs are not children. Uh-huh. So why are we speaking to them? Um, in that way, not to go off, but <laughs> as also speaking to, uh, dogs like they are children, just as a quick little tangent, I see this all the time. People talking to their dogs as far as like asking questions when, yeah. um, you know, we can even shift this back to, you know, the small children, the, uh, the dog owner that walks up to, you know, we'll just call it a family, right? And goes, do you want to say hi? Do you want to say hi? Oh, look who it is. Right. And that dog, whether big or small, um, I have seen some who get really stressed and anxious in that moment. I have seen some get so excited that they just cannot contain themselves. Um, also, what I think drives me nuts about it most is that the handler is speaking to the dog as if they're going to respond with a yes or no answer of like, yes, I do want to interact with these people or no, I don't. Mm-hmm. We need to pick our eyes up and speak to the people in front of us. Right. And, and I think that's really an important message because it also goes along with the lines of do not be afraid to tell somebody no, you cannot interact with my dog, right? If you are not comfortable in that situation, if you are not a comfortable handler, if those kinds of situations stress you out, like work on that. Mm-hmm. That's where your training journey begins is working on how you handle those situations because that will carry down the leash. If you're stressed out and if your dog's never met children before and you're, you have an opportunity, but you're really stressed out. And the only new thing in that environment to your dog is that young child. And your dog is feeling that stress, smelling it from you. And they're recognizing this new object. Your dog is likely to think this is what I should be stressed about. Yeah. What's going to happen now in your future meetings with children is you know, if that happens again and you're again stressed, your dog is now going to start creating this association with kids of they are a reason to be stressed. Yeah. And that's, and it can all be created by you as the owner. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it's, um, it's, a, it's one of these situations. Cause like we want to, we're always encouraging people to advocate for their dogs. Right. And 
advocating for the dogs in terms of in this context, we're talking about protecting your dog's personal space, right? So somebody, a family's come over and gone, and we, it is, Australian culture is fucking cooked for this. They <laughs> actively invade dogs' personal space like no other nation. It is insane. Yeah. Like, um, they will just, they just, I mean, I, I, last week, just last week, a lady with her kids walked in. They saw me and my dog and went, kids, go and say hello to the dog. Like, that's not smart. Right? You, yeah. don't, you don't know my dog. You don't, we're just minding our own business. Now, if my dog, my dog, fortunately, is fine with kids, but they don't know that. And let's say he wasn't and he growls and he snaps. That's now my dog's problem. Because you were a moron. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it's a funny one because I'm comfortable to advocate for my dog's space by saying, and I, and I did like, no, like, I'm really sorry. One of the kids started crying. I'm really sorry. I don't actually feel bad for that because <laughs> like, that's not my problem. You set, yeah, your, child, no. you set your child up to fail, man. Yeah. And, <laughs> but like, I'm comfortable enough as in my personality and in, I know my dog and I, and whatever, for whatever reasons, I'm comfortable enough to go, no, don't do that. But that is also really difficult for a lot of people to be able to step forward and go, no, that's because that's like social conflict in itself. Extremely. So but, it it is, so much is based on just self-confidence yeah. yeah and and people you know it is unfortunate but people do lack it and i think what is important with saying that is also that it's okay it's it okay is. if you're lacking confidence it's okay if you know you've never had a dog before and you don't know what you're doing mm-hmm. it's okay if the dog that you currently have is not like your last dog who was one in a million who you could take everywhere, who you're really struggling with, right? Like it's okay if you're lacking confidence for whatever reason. I think the important thing is know where and when to find help. Yeah. Right. Like, and that's where I think resources like us, trainers like us, because I would never look at somebody who is lacking self-confidence and say, okay, well, we just need to get your dog to learn how to sit, lay down, stay, and your life will be great. Yeah. No, I'm going to look at them and say like, okay, your dog is capable of doing a whole lot. What are the limitations here? Right? Like, why are you, why are you lacking confidence walking outside? Well, let's start walking inside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The amount of times that I say like, well, let's take your dog for a walk inside. And the amount of people that are like, well, I never thought of that. It's like, yeah, like it's, it's just a walk. You're putting your dog on a leash and a harness just the same way you would if you were walking out the door. You're just walking around the house and you don't have to worry about anything. Like, let's build, yeah, let's build your self-confidence from the ground level up Mm. so that when we do step outside, you have those couple tools, right? You feel strong about your recall. When you say your dog's name, they whip their head around and look at you, right? Like, you can feel, even if it's just those two things, your dog responds to their name and they have good recall. I don't get, oh, they, they take all of the leash. Okay. We'll, we can work on that. Right. But like, we'll, we'll fine tune things, but let's, let's start somewhere. Yeah. Let's build your confidence. Let's build your trust in your dog. Right. Your dog will learn to trust you. That's what I was going to say about the, um, you know, the, the advocacy thing, like, you don't actually have to be 
outwardly objective. I think advocacy sometimes uh, feels like you have to stand up and be the voice that says no, but there's other ways. Like often if so, I, so many people don't feel comfortable by doing what I did in that cafe, but like there are other ways to do it. Like put a vest on your dog that says give space yes. or position the dog. So he's behind your legs in the first place. That's still advocating for the dog or yeah. even just before you even go to that cafe, think to think to yourself, uh, is it a place where it's likely that children are going to approach? And if so, and I don't have the confidence to say, no, don't take him. Don't take the dog. Don't take the dog. That, yeah. is, that is advocating for your dog. Like yeah. there's, you don't have to be doing the really overt stuff to yeah. still be looking after your, you and your dog's needs in that sense. And just those, those few things that you just rattled off, how easy are they? Mm. How easy is it to jump on Amazon and buy a, a new harness um, with a couple patches that say like, you know, ask to pet my grace, my dog, Gracie, she has one mm-hmm. because she, she's great with people, but initial meeting, she's a little, you know, skittish and she's a 50 pound boxer. So her fast twitch muscles are insane. And she like, <laughs> she's almost more rabbit than dog. Um, and I, I don't just want anybody coming up to her and, you know, she works with me and stuff. So I can't just have people like messing with her at, at any moment. So I have a vest for her. And I always tell people like, yeah, I, not everybody's going to listen, no. but the majority will. And it's <laughs> um, so it's great. It's a great thing to throw on your dog. Like, and the ones I love the tactical ones, you know, that have all the space for patches. You can put whatever you want. Like you can, yeah. you know, you can really decorate it to be pretty cool and unique um, yeah. to yourself and your dog and your lifestyle and all that. So like, sometimes, oh, I, just want, sometimes I just want to put a patch on there that just fucks with people. Like just put yeah. a, fake, a fake name on there. That's really obscure. <laughs> like, Why has he got that? Yeah. The don't take your dog. Right. Like if you're unsure of how your dog may do, don't take your dog to the coffee shop at peak hours. <laughs> right. Like do it, you know, test, test the waters, take your dog there when it's closed just to let them, you know, sniff and, um, you know, go when it's really early and there's only two people in there, not 20. It, um, it's funny, isn't it? It's, like I, I, I'll often get comments like, "Oh, but you don't need to do that for your dog because he's good with people." Because he is, right? My my dog is genuinely loves people. But my reply to that is, "There's a the reason why he's good with people is because I consistently put his personal space as a priority. I I've never let anybody invade it, right? Right. And there's a it's not." It's, it's the inverse of what people think. Like people are like, Oh, you shouldn't have to, you don't have to do that for your dog. He's fine with people. But I'm like, no, I do have to do that with my dog because the reason he is so good with people is because I've always looked after him. Right. <laughs> so, like, so of course I'm going to continue yeah. doing it. Yeah. <laughs> just, be, just because yeah. he's great now, I'm not going to go ruin it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, it's funny too. The, um, the amount of people that, you know, I don't know if you get this a lot in Australia, but in the States, everybody, uh, no, I shouldn't say everybody. <laughs> There's a lot of people that still believe in this notion like, oh, my dog is acting this way because they're protecting me. Mm-hmm. 
right? Like as if your dog wears this, you know, coat of, you know, honor. (laughs) Like I'm, you know, I am your knight in shining armor, whether I'm, you know, four pounds or, you know, 140 pounds, right? I am, my purpose here on earth is to be your protector. And it's like, no, 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 no. (laughs) Like that is, that it, it could not be further from the truth. Like if your dog is reacting, it has very, has little to nothing to do with protecting you as the human. It's, there is a hundred other things that are probable before the I'm protecting my human idea ever even comes into play. Man, I'm going to, I'm going to bring this on to kids again because, well, because that's our topic today, but this is such a common one, right? I, and it's exactly the same, right? I, I see people, they'll tell me, are oh, the dog protecting who they, whoever they think the dog is protecting. And, and mm-hmm. the context for this conversation, we're going to say, yeah, it's going to protect the baby, yep. right? There are only three or four, maybe five breeds on this planet that have got genuine um, genetics that are programmed for protecting. You know, we're talking breeds like Malinois and kind of Corso Mastiffs. And sure. And sure. Like if those dogs are showing protective behaviors, I'm going to second guess. I'm going to, yeah, you're probably right. Right. <laughs> it would be in the back of my mind. It's not guaranteed still. But typically, if you're Beagle, Poodle, Gun Dog, you know, pretty much any other breed other than those four or five breeds is showing protective behaviors, there is a good chance that they're not protecting the safety of that individual. They are probably, and this is the common one, right? Um, that I see is it's all about the dog's. Uh, perception of control. So when babies, for example, new thing comes into their world and this new thing can cause a lot of unpredictability and stress, right? A lot of change in the, in the dog's life has come as a consequence of this newborn. And so the dogs will monitor it. They'll sit by it. They'll watch it. They'll be constantly sat next to it. And for me, I see that and go, damn, that dog is cannot drop their guard. There's constantly information seeking. Mm-hmm. and constantly trying to get feedback from this new thing in their life. And it's actually displaying a lot of concern about this new thing. But the, to the untrained eye, it can go, look at how much the ba- dog loves the baby. Yeah. And when somebody comes to pick that baby up and move it, whether it's you as the parent or the you know the, the mother-in-law or the, the friend that comes over, and that dog then gets protective of it, it's not – what it's not doing is protecting the safety of the baby. It's trying to maintain – a, a calm, stable, and predictable environment. Now, if somebody moves that baby, the dog has lost control of the environment, so it's going to protect the control, but yeah. it's not trying to protect the safety of the baby. So the the understanding of what drives the behavior in that context, and obviously there's potentially other reasons, but this is a common one I see, so I'm isolating it, and I'm aware, again, anybody that wants to write in, I'm aware there's other options, but we're talking about this one. <laughs> so, right. right. But this is something that I get, I see get mislabeled and misunderstood really clearly. Now, I don't know. I've never spoke to you about this before, so I'd love your take. Yeah. I mean, I think that makes great sense when you bring a baby into a home. Like you said, there is such a disruption, um, in the day to day. And I, it's, it's got to be even more so for a dog than for us as parents, right? Like I, I understand that any day now my life could change, right? 
me waking up tomorrow could look totally different than what it looked like waking up today. Now, my two dogs, I, I'm a firm believer that they understand, right? They're some olfactory animals. Like I can tell they, I've been able to tell from the beginning, um, you know, just seeing their behaviors and knowing them and understanding them the way that I do. I can tell when their behaviors change slightly. And then when my fiance's, you know, and like, I, I see that all happening, but what I think people need to understand is that for dogs, it's such a disruptor, um, sleep, right? It, it makes their sleep patterns just go haywire. They're up all the time and sleep deprivation is very real in dogs, just the same as it is for us. Man, I, I worked with so many COVID puppies that that was actually the biggest oh, yeah. factor in, in their lives for behavioral issues was a lack of sleep because their owners were up until 2 a.m. at night and, you know, up at 7 a.m. in the morning on their laptops at home all day. Like it was a mess. So, I mean, sleep is huge. It's the number one stress reducer, mm-hmm. right? So if your dogs are getting less sleep because they're awake all the time and like you said, they're on alert, there's this new, very interesting, smelly thing um, that you know, we as parents are attached to and right. Our attention is now on this thing that makes noises. It's not a puppy, right? Like, so there's a whole lot that dogs need to learn um, when you bring a new baby into the house, if they've never experienced a baby before, like they're, they're learning what it is in the moment. Mm-hmm. So it is going to take them some time. Um, yeah. And that predictability, especially if, their day-to-day life changes, right? Less mental stimulation, um, just less social interactions with their humans, um, less sleep, right? And then people do start moving the baby around and they are looking to, you know, have some predictability in their life because everything that was predictable yesterday may no longer be, right? So um, I think it's a great point. I think it's I do think that is where baby prepping comes into play, right? And anytime somebody calls me about baby prepping, they're like, what should I do? I say, go out and buy yourself a $10 baby doll. Uh It's the number one thing to do. Like start walking around with it because you wrap that thing up in a blanket. There's a really good chance, depending on what kind of dog you have, your dog's going to think that's a toy. And they're going to start pulling at the blanket, right? And the last thing you want is to have a two-day-old baby in your house and your dog starts pulling at your baby's swaddle, right? Because you couldn't spend, you know, a collective hour in the nine months leading up to this and and $10 to just get a baby doll and walk around with it. Slide your phone in the swaddle and play baby noises and walk around and don't make it a big deal. Don't stare at your dog while it's all happening and being like, you're okay. You're okay. It's okay. You're like, no, like make it so nonchalant and every day that like it's these things should not be a big deal. Don't stare and talk and have conversations with your dog when you're doing these things, because you're not going to be doing those things at 3am when your baby's crying. No, Right, you're gonna be probably maybe even crying yourself a little bit, like, oh my god, I'm so tired. (laughs) Yeah, but like, you know, you training really as you know, to 
training should be, it should look like what it will look like when you need it. I think work. that's really important. Like I'll, I'll do a really similar thing because I love this topic and I love working with people in this, this area because it's an important one for me. Like I feel like when somebody's calling us for this, it's a, it can literally set the tone for the next like five years of that life. Right. But, um, I would say to people, not just picking the baby up, but let's like, let's identify, okay, what are the common things that you're going to have to do with your baby? So things like, Walking, walking them around and bouncing the baby, uh, tummy time, breastfeeding, like, and let's identify them. And then let's identify how would you, what picture would you like to paint? Um, when these things are happening. So like, let's identify again, like, what do we want our dogs to do? And our dogs are going to learn the patterns. So things like when that baby, when that baby's crying, like, what does that equal? Baby crying equals mum and dad, if that is, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I'm going to rush into that room. I'm going to get baby. You get the fucking baby. Like yeah, (laughs) a few repetitions and that dog is going to understand that, okay, baby crying equals chaos. They're going to just add to the chaos. They're going to start barking. So let's set up that pattern. If we're breastfeeding, right, where are you going to breastfeed? Do you have a special chair that you're going to be doing it? Is it on the sofa? And if so, cool, right? If you sit down in this chair, where do you want your dog to be? And let's practice maybe some mat settling, maybe some tether, maybe just yeah. like, but learn and practice the picture that you'd like to paint. And the big thing that you mentioned there was it's not meant to be Christmas every time. No, you, you know, it's meant to be neutral. And I love, like I've said this for years, but like you can reinforce without rainbows, right? You, you, don't, yeah. have to, you don't have to make it fucking Christmas every time. Like right. it could be, be good, but it wants to be calm. And like, hey man, I've got this. You go and lay down. I've got this. You don't need to be on this. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. It should not be over the top. Yeah. Right. I mean, especially I see a lot of dogs that do have tendencies to hit those high arousal states. Those are not dogs that you want to be like, yes. like, uh, you know, it's that dog is going to lose their mind. Um, and depending on where you're at and situation environment, like that could be the complete wrong type of reward to give. Um, you know, a simple, like, good boy, good girl, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. goes a long way. Yeah. <laughs> goes a long way. Um, like I'm yeah, so, yeah. Keeping, I mean, I think environment in general is huge, right? Like if you if you live in a household that is a bit of a chaotic environment, your dog is going to adjust to that environment, and you may see um, some high arousal just because the environment is high loud, arousal. <laughs> high arousal, right? Um, you know if we have a pretty calm house here, which I think is a big reason why our dogs sleep most of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, Gracie is, I would classify her, classify her as high energy, like 50 pound boxer, you know, this, this dog can go, go, go. Um, and she's like off leash hikes. We go for miles. So, I mean, I know I could be doing five miles. She's doing much more than that because she's back and forth, back and forth. Um, she's like a little energizer bunny. <laughs> but, you know, because we have a calm environment here, she is calm. 
And because we're practicing things like tummy time, right. And taking that doll and putting the doll on the ground on, you know, a towel or whatever it might be. And giving, you know, Gracie a chance to come close, but also being like, ah, right. And mm-hmm. not being like, no, no, no. Right. Yeah. Don't touch it. Right. Like, oh my God, don't. No, it's right. It's just simple note. Right. Using some, some spatial pressure, just that hand out. Mm-hmm. Right. And just setting a boundary. I don't know why it's so hard for people to set boundaries with their dogs, but if you can't do it <laughs> physically with that handout, use a tether, use a baby gate, use a crate, yeah. like use an environment blocker to prevent that dog invading the personal space on the times when you need that personal space. Yeah. And none of these, none of the things that you just listed are cruel or mean, you know, it's like crates are not, they're not, bad things i would rather i would rather somebody put their dog who's not understanding something right who's still learning oh i put this baby doll down and this dog just is not getting hey they need to stop here right like okay we're gonna go in the crate we'll reset i'd rather see that than the person pushing the dog because they're getting close nope like i'm gonna push you away to the point where i want you to be what is that teaching them absolutely nothing do you know right, and you're just you're making your training even harder. Do you know what's cruel in all of that? Like, is not preparing the dog, right? So, like, let's say it's a tether, let's say it's a crate. Like, it doesn't really matter what it is. What would be cruel is to bring the dog home and then set boundaries that they didn't know were coming, and then yeah. have not prepared the dog for. That's and guess cruel. what? And guess what? That I'm, that's such a great point because not only is that cruel to the dog. But then the people, the owners are going to be sleep deprived. They're going to be expecting that the dog is going to understand the boundaries that they want. And I'm sorry, but like, if you're fucking sleep deprived, you don't even know what boundaries you want. And if you haven't practiced them and kind of gained that muscle memory and helped your dog, you know, understand prior to, like you have now set your both of you up for failure. Actually, you've set the entire household up for failure. It's not even just you and dog as handler. Like it's, you know, your partner, baby, any other dogs, kids in the house, like whatever, because some people have some wacky situations where they have like 10 dogs and 20 cats, like, you know, and seven kids like good on you, but right. Like whatever your situation is, it's your situation. But like, Prepare yourself, prepare your dog, and set yourself up for success. And this sounds harsh. I, and I know what we're saying can sound harsh, but it's like you can't shy away from it either. Like, I'm really mm-hmm. sorry if that sounds harsh. But the truth is that if I have nine months to prepare my household for this, and all I do is get the baby's blanket and bring it home and introduce it to the dog, like, I don't think I've done enough. Like, I don't right. think that's enough. And, you know, I think I do try and hear myself speak about these topics sometimes because obviously I think we, in the industry that we're in, we see it from a different lens, right? And, um, you know, it's, it's funny. My, my, my first dog, uh, he passed away last year. And one of the hardest things for me to realize with him, um, or kind of overcome was that he, he will be my only dog that I see outside of like a trainer lens, 
like he was just my buddy. You know what I mean? Okay, like yeah. we were just boys. Like <laughs> yeah, I was in my early twenties, mid twenties. Like it was just me and him just, just doing guy things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I think, sorry, I just had a brain fart. Um, no, but you're right. Like we have, we are in a position of privilege to have the information we have. And yes. Yeah. So what, what I was going to say is seeing it, how I see it now, like I have done evaluations on baby bites. Mm-hmm. I have seen pictures of the aftermath on, you know, babies at the age of six, seven, eight months old with massive bites to their faces. Uh-huh. And like, are they situations that can always be avoided? Probably not, right? Because there is a huge human element that goes into it. If your baby's on the floor, and you're being very trusting of your dog and you look away for five seconds, a whole lot can happen in five seconds. Granted, you should not be putting dog or baby in a situation like that. Yeah. It's just not fair to either. Um, But I feel okay with being a little harsh Mm -hmm. because I've had to, deal with cases where dogs are being put down because of lack of preparation, yeah. you know, owner neglect, you know, or it, and I I almost feel bad saying neglect. It's really just like overly trusting a dog that yeah. you didn't prepare. Uh-huh. It's, it's over trust with a dog that is underprepared yeah. and it's, it's unfair to the dog to be put in situations, especially if, you don't understand canine body language and you don't understand what your dog's saying. If you're going around saying like, Oh, my dog feels this way without really knowing, like if you're, if you were to stop and think like, do I actually know what my dog is thinking? And why can I say that I know they're thinking this way? Yeah. <laughs> then you probably, you know, just take a 20 minute course on canine body language and, and learn, learn a little something. It can really take you far yeah really can like um you know one of the things that i can speak to around like how i what i've actually done you know my baby's due in a month and things the thing that i've done the most uh i would and i would encourage honestly everybody to do this i really would like this isn't something that i would be like ah maybe try this like i'm saying like if you've got a baby on the way do this because I trust my dogs, right? I, I trust my dogs around children. They're tested as in like, you know, we've got gold kids that are uh, like from, from newborns and to four year olds. And we have kids over uh, different ages uh, through, through our friends. But so we have tried and tested our, our dogs in the sense that I am pretty confident about how they're going to respond to when we bring a baby in the house. We've done things like put baby gates up for the nursery and where we're going to do tummy time. And we've give them, they, they're currently in their crates because this, this sort of thing for me is normal sitting here doing a podcast. So here you go. Here's a licky mat in your crate. So they're conditioned to, the, you know, we've done a lot of prep, but the thing that I have done 
is I have set things up so that if we come home and when we introduce the dogs, so when we come home and when we introduce the dogs, we will stagger this. We will do this gradually. There's not going to be this big, sharp, hey, meet. I'm going to have a few days before these dogs really come up to the dog. And when they do, we're going to have things like baby gates in place. So I've prepped, right. my, do- prepped my dogs for it. Now, I am fairly confident that things like the baby gates, things like, I mean, the crates are probably never going to go. I find them super convenient for things like this, to be honest. But hell, like there's going to be a lot of things that we've put in place for this baby that I'm confident will come down quickly. But because I've trained them, even if they don't come down quickly, because let's say, for example, the dogs don't behave how I thought they would, it doesn't matter because the dogs are really comfortable with it. Yeah. And, And by doing the work what for me what's happened is i've got a confidence in i've got an uh, i have got a confidence that this is going to go well i i really do i don't think that this is something that i necessarily needed to do because i don't trust my dogs i think this is something i needed to do in case my dogs behave in a way that i couldn't predict and 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 yeah. I've, got, I've got the measures in place and if the shit hits the fan well then so what to be honest, everybody's safety is not going to be compromised. Right. No, that's a, that's a great point. I mean, you know, as far as um, true baby prepping goes, you know, we have, you know, done some work with the dolls. We've got the stroller out, um, you know, move that around, uh, just getting the dogs comfortable with, and not even outside yet, um, mm-hmm. but just getting them comfortable with, being near this thing that moves so that when we do go on walks, right. When we do start practicing that it's not this new foreign object. We probably haven't done as much of that kind of stuff, you know, baby noises and things like that, that I would recommend to somebody reaching out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, I also, I have a seven year old, so not that the young, not that either of, um, these dogs have been exposed to her when she was a baby, but they have been, they're very well socialized. So I don't have any concerns there, but my biggest prep was actually for people coming over mm-hmm. and working with the dogs on place. When people knock on the door, when I open the door and I'm talking to somebody, whether it be, you know, a delivery driver or, you know, a guest or visitor that is getting ready to enter the home. So much of my baby prepping work has really just been spent on getting, you know, having Bella and Gracie, you know, go to place when I say it and allow me to open, close the door and talk. Um, it's kind of weird opening the door to nobody and being like, hi, how are you? And, you know, trying to going back to making it natural uh-huh. what are the conversational words that i would say when i open the door right like even yeah. down to that it sounds silly but my dogs are listening oh god yeah because like but, like somebody comes to my door let's say it's my buddy alan and i'm like hey man how you doing my dogs know that that's a cue that i'm not paying attention and that my focus is on them right and and sorry on alan and they know damn well that's when they run past me and they go and jump on out <laughs> because Al loves it. And, right. and it doesn't bother us in that context. But this is going back to, and like yourself, I've gone and trained this because 
it's something that's going to be important, right? We're going to have my in-laws coming over and they're, you know, then they're not spring chickens. And, you know, these are different types of guests. Like Al's a big tradie, right? He comes to the door and he roughs the dogs up and he fucking loves it. But (laughs) the, the, you know, the grandparents, they're not going to feel the same way about the dogs jumping out. So we've practiced same as you, like open that door. And again, every there's different ways of doing it because I've not trained my dogs to stay on place uh, by their own accord, but I've trained them to be comfortable with go to place and close that crate door until it's mm. opened again. Now, it's a different way of training it, but it's achieving the same goal, right? Absolutely. There's more than one way to so get a cat. Like, it's funny that you say that because our, so our one dog, Bella, her place is a crate mm. and Gracie, her place is just a bed. So, which does present challenges with, with Gracie, um, because it is really getting her to stay in place and not move. Oh, this but is a, even, this is- even, even going back to, to training, right? how how your buddy alan comes in you know all the now until the next month might be very different than how you want him coming in two months from now when there is a baby in the house right like you might not want that like let's fucking go (laughs) energy in your house you might be like shut the fuck up you know so practice even practicing that right like And not, man, and like something like that, I can just hear, I could hear a client already saying like, oh, but I feel so bad. Like, I don't fucking care. Like, not that I don't care. You'll feel feel bad. Right. Like you feel bad because you're guiding your dog and teaching them to choose a different behavior that you want to see from them. Like. And you you're feel like you're teaching them something. Yeah. Like I, I, I don't understand that mentality. Like it, it's, it's your job to teach them. And I hate, you know, I, I, I very much dislike in the, how the balanced, um, you know, community mm. balanced trainers talk about being a leader mm. because I yeah. think that's the, you know, leader pack leader. Right. And that's kind of what they're speaking to. Whereas when like I tell my clients, like you need to be a leader, it's not, you know, you're not CEO leader, you're a quarterback, right? You're leading your team down a field. You're encouraging them. You're supporting them. You're lifting each other up. Like that's the kind of leader that you should be towards your dog. You're guiding them. You're teaching them what you want them to do, not screaming in their face, being like, you fuck up, like you dumb dog, like you're so stupid. My dog's so stubborn, like the laundry list of things that I hear people say. And then, you know, man, it you could go into so much science, the the plant that you put in the light versus like the dark room, the, the plant that you say nice words to versus the ones that you say mean words, like there have been plenty of studies to show that words matter, yeah. right? Like that's an energy. You're also your pitch and tone of voice on how you're saying things, your body language, all of those things matter. And if, if you're being negative towards your dog, if you're talking down, 
it doesn't matter the words you're saying they're coming out a certain way and that's going to affect your dog like there just needs to be but you do need to uh, show that leadership mentality. that leadership though that you speak of there like you know i there are times when like in having a child come into your life you are going to have to make changes and in order for those changes to not impact your dog in a negative way you're gonna have to show leadership and go hey man this is gonna happen and this is how i'd like you to do it now everything's gonna be okay but just let's practice this let's get you good at it now you shouldn't in my opinion like you was touching on earlier like you shouldn't feel bad for stepping up and showing that kind of leadership like yeah that is healthy leadership that's guidance that's like nurturing that's advocating for everybody's needs and yeah and it's hard. and it's okay you know like when i'm working with gracie there are times when i can tell she's getting frustrated right like we're learning something new or we're doing something in a new environment you know there's some whining right maybe her movements are a little bit more erratic but because of that i don't just like go and scoop her up and be like oh you're okay like it's okay. You know, we're fine. Like we won't do this. No, what, what kind of precedent does that set? No, I'm not saying like I'm forcing her to do something, but it's an obstacle and we're going to, we're going to work through that obstacle there. I get frustrated all the time with things, but if I gave up and walked away from every frustrating thing that happened in my life, where the hell would I be? Where would any of us be? Right. And like the same goes for your dog. And that's where that leadership kicks in. Yeah. Right. Don't, don't be like, Oh my God. Don't be the, the parent to coddle. It's not mm-hmm. a baby. Right. Especially if, if your dog's three years old, that is not a baby. That is an adult dog. <laughs> <laughs> an adult dog. If it's eight weeks old, right. Okay. Go ahead and, you know, scoop that dog up and, and try another day, but stop coddling your, your adult dog that is a mature animal and it's i not I, I know where you're coming from with this but i'm I, and i'm i'm confident in what you're saying here but just and that but what i'm going to do is just for anybody listening in is just try to put this into a bit of a con- framework because i know you man and i know where you're coming from <laughs> but like at no point are we saying like don't support your dog if they're stressed right absolutely not no like, yeah, yeah yeah like like yeah that is what your goal that's that is what your job is as a handler right is to support your dog and i what i am trying to say is you do that through proper leadership right if your dog is stressed out about something you know if to go back to gracie if she gets really stressed out there's a good chance um i know working with her there's a good chance that my criteria is too high and i recognize that and i bump it back to a point that I know is not going to frustrate her. Uh-huh. And then we incrementally work back up to that point that was getting her really frustrated. And maybe, you know, today's not that day and we don't get to that point and that's okay. Like the yeah. training, what I love about training is that it is ever fluid, right? Yeah. It's not, it's not specifics. It's not, you don't hit a mark and then it, training is done like it's constantly changing because environment situation stimuli it's always changing 
Yeah, and it's not like by recognizing Gracie's body language, being self-aware that maybe my criteria is too high. That's how I support Gracie, right? And not just try and push this down her throat and be like, no, you are going to do this. And I think that's where the obedience yeah. stuff becomes an issue because it's solely focused on the dog is going to follow this, whatever it is. They're going to do this no matter what. I don't care how they're feeling. I don't care what's going on around us. I don't care if it's dead quiet or there's a hundred fire trucks flying by with their sirens on. It's I'm going to, we're going to do this right here, right now, rather than being like, Oh, it's really loud. Let me go. Let me get my dog out of here on another street. Let me take them away and try there. Mm. Um, yeah. Supporting supporting our dogs, I believe, is our number one function as owners and handlers. And that's it. I just wanted to like make sure that For anybody sure. listening knew. <laughs> I, know, I know you well enough to know that that's where you're coming from. But yeah, but, but yeah. There, is a bal- there is a balance next, right? Like there is a huge difference, I think, between a dog that is like genuinely anxious and like concerned, and a dog that's like, ah, look, I'm just uh, what's what's happening here because. If I see my dog tentative, but I genuinely believe, hey, look, you've got this and we're going to get through it, I will push. I will. I'll go, man, you, yeah. we, we can do this. But there are also, and this this is, comes down to having that little conscientious voice in your head of going, I know my dog and I want to know, and I will pull you out if I genuinely think that this is too much. But I've got this constant, hey, look, we're going to play with this line in my head. Because I want you to get there, buddy. I want yeah. you to get there. And no, I'm not going to push you to the point of breaking. But man, you need to go somewhere slightly uncomfortable to grow. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I think even, even just right there, that what you just said is where it's so important to have a foundational training with your dog. Like uh-huh. bare bones, basic shit. Right. Name, recall, hand targeting, eye contact. Like even if, if you are just right there, you at least have an understanding of what your dog is capable of where I do see at least, you know, and this is even with people that I work with more just observation because hell, I can't not watch people with their dogs now. <laughs> like it's my job and it, it is it. so cringy. It's <laughs> at times like, it's like, Oh my God, like, no, what are you doing? <laughs> that, that it be, it, it can become, you know, kind of tough, but what was I trying to say here? People, man, another brain fart. We were saying, um, having that foundation in place. Is oh, so- the foundation. Yeah. So I think people will, try things outside that they've never tried in the home. (laughs) Like, and you know, as we know, right. Learning in a low distraction environment is always going to be, you know, more effective than a high distraction environment. And that's not even dog related. That is like across the board, right? That's just life. Life. Exactly. Um, You know, Put yourself in a quiet room versus in a room full of TVs and try and learn the same topic. It, 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 it's yeah. So working on things before you get outside, 
Mm-hmm. Right. And like having a baseline understanding of my dog knows these things inside in a low distraction environment. You know, how now let me see how well they know these things outside. Okay. Whereas, you know, oh, I've I want to teach my dog how to touch, right? Hand targeting. We're gonna work on it while we're out on a walk. It's like that's that is not the time to do that. Like start <laughs> Start in the home, right? There is a proper progression on how to work on things. And I do think sometimes people just are like throwing shit at the wall to see what'll stick. And I think a lot of times they are failing because they're they're just jumping the gun, right? Uh-huh. They're they want to start at A, but they're at like K. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and then because the dog maybe responds a few times, they think the dog knows it. And then when the dog doesn't respond, they're stubborn. They're not listening, right? They're, Put it back they're, on the they're such an asshole, right? Like yeah. they never listen. It's like, no, it's I really, I wouldn't, I wouldn't listen either. If you were speaking to me in Spanish and I had no fucking clue what you were saying, like <laughs> right. at a certain point, I'd be like, well, I guess you're not talking to me because I don't know Spanish. Yeah. Yeah, this doesn't correlate. That, can't, that can't be anything to do with me. Like a really common one, and going back to something you were touching on earlier as well, um, and bringing it back around to babies is like training the dog uh, a, a solid place. In my opinion, is super important. Right? It's the it's the skill that I use most in this house. Like if you know guests come to the door, hey buddy, go to bed. If I'm if I'm cooking and I want them out of the kitchen, hey buddy, on your bed. If I'm watching yeah. TV and want to and want to spend time on the sofa with the wife instead of the dogs, hey boys, on your bed. You know, I use this a lot. And yet, one of the things that you mentioned earlier is like um, when you're ca- carrying that baby. So we don't just get people to um, carry a doll. We get people to fill a pillowcase with three or four, maybe five water bottles because that fucker moves. And trying to ca- try oh, to balance, yeah. try to balance oh, that's that. Great. Um, because a really, a rigid doll can be like somebody can get p- complacent with their body language. So, but the point I'm getting at there is, can you send your dog to bed? If not, practice that. But then once you can, can you do that while your body language is doing something completely different, like carrying a baby? Because, yeah. because your dog is maybe not listening to your words, but it's probably listening to all the context cues that you're giving with your body language. And all of a sudden, because you're not giving them because your hands are full, your dog's looking at you like you went back to Spanish, man. Yeah. No, that's a great point. I, you know, um, something that I love to mark and reward, um, when I am outside with Gracie is when I am looking straight ahead, mm-hmm. but she's looking up at me right now. I'm obviously looking out of the corner of my eye. She, uh, she just decided to make her <laughs> presence. <laughs> um, you know, I'm looking at her out of the corner of my eye, but I don't, I don't want her to learn to just, you know, make eye contact or focus with me when I'm staring down at her because I might not always be staring down at her. Actually, chances are most of the time I'm probably not. So I want her getting used to looking up at me um, and still understanding that there could be a reward that comes even when we're not making eye contact. Yeah. And I mean, something as simple as that has done wonders for our walks and just general focus and engagement. Um, you know, she's three, so she's, you know, right at 
<laughs> mature adult, but she's very young, mature adult. You know, and like I said, all those fast twitch muscles and just the energy. I mean, she flies when she's off leash. So, yes, she's a little like she's bouncy. She's very go, go, go. And I need a lot of that focus from her or else it's it's a shit show. Yeah. like I love <laughs> and, and it goes for a lot of the dogs that, that I work with and see people, you know, you know, have clients like the the lack of general focus and engagement is really prevalent. And I, I, I am a firm believer that I think people, man, they would solve a whole lot of their own problems if they just, if they made focus and engagement, their focus with their dog rather than, man, (laughs) the amount of people that I've never met before that are like, Oh, you're a dog trainer. My dog knows sit and lay down and paw. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Like, that's pretty high on the list of things I didn't care about. Like a lot of, it's funny because oftentimes the next thing that's said is my dog jumps a lot. Like, how do I stop that? And I'm like, well, you stop doing paw. You're promoting your dog's paws to be off the ground. So, so stop that. That's the first thing. And the faces are oftentimes like, like yeah oh yeah yeah like, like fucking light bulb just went like yeah, right? light bulb above your head right now yeah <laughs> and it's so like i yeah it's like i crush their soul all in yeah. just one swoop just being like one i don't care about paul also it's a problem yeah. <laughs> uh, like i was muzzle training a dog um this morning and i was just pissed off because like this was for a rescue and the staff there are amazing, but they, and they know better. And that's why I was pissed off because they trained this dog to muzzle, uh, sorry, to pour. And that's all this dog was doing when I'm trying to, I'm like, man, guys, you knew damn well that this dog needed more than this. And yeah. now this fucking paws in the muzzle and I'm like, and he's kicking the treats everywhere. I'm like, guys. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I, I didn't think we would get here, but is Paul quite possibly like the worst thing you could teach a dog? I mean, even coming back to kids, right? Like talk about setting a dog up for success. The last thing you want a dog doing is pawing at children. And, and most, a lot of the Paul, you know, actions that I see, it's a SWAT, <laughs> Yeah, and you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we know, like you know, I don't know about Australia, but here in the states, I mean, grooming is—I don't know if it's—it's—it's it's, it's just at a massive demand. I don't know if there's a lack of groomers or, yeah. or what, but you know, so I—I I see a lot of dogs' nails who are very long, much longer than they probably should be, and if that dog is swatting at any person. Or child. He's running uh, around like, like Edward Scissorhands. Like, <laughs> yeah. I've, I have seen some, I have seen some where first session I've walked in, I'm like, first thing that needs to get done is this, your dog's nails need yeah. to get groomed. Like, they're, they're reactive. Yeah. They're basically walking on, you know, pins because their gait <laughs> is like, yeah, it's totally jacked up. Yeah. Yeah. There are some where I've just been like, holy cow. I mean, look, don't get me wrong, like every now and then a poor trained, like a poor lift hold, super useful behavior. Absolutely. But, but shake, 
Yes. And that's, yeah, shake is right. Paul, where the paw is being placed, kind of like a chin rest as well. Super functional. If that's what you're training. Yeah. (laughs) Who's actually, no, it's, it's like this grab and shake. Also, you know, be careful of like what you're doing with your dog's joints too. They don't move outwards. (laughs) Uh, They don't have that range of motion that, that we have. So be very careful. I, 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 I think it's just a very, unfunctional what, what trick. Are, one of the things that I trained my, and I, this is, you know, we were saying earlier, you know, your first dog's always the dog that you've got when you're not a trainer. And like my, my first dog was exactly the same. And obviously this was not deliberate because I wasn't thinking about what was functional, what was useful back then. But I did train a paw, but it very quickly evolved into um, air five. Oh like, yeah. Right. So from like the other side of the room, I go, Hey, Lola, air five. <laughs> and like, <laughs> just she'd wave. Yeah. Essentially she'd wave. So, right? so funny. You said my dog, we turned Paul into wave mm-hmm. and it was very much, it would just, it'd be like Chutley wave and across the room. And I would go like this and he would be like, yeah, yeah. but it was, you know, it was, it was kind of, a bit more spot at times, but it's not, it, there's no physical interaction there either. So that's what I'm ended up being a saving grace. Like in hindsight, like this dog never actually learned to throw its paw at people's personal space because, well, we never actually trained that. We trained it, right. to, trained her to um, wave from like ten feet away, and yeah. she was never making contact with anything with the paw, so she wasn't like scratching kids' eyeballs out. Um, but like, but yeah, like uh, going back to your question of like, is it the worst behavior to train? Yeah, probably. Like it's up there. Like, yeah, and it, you know, and Nancy, even even spiral a little bit more. A lot of times, I see you know owners being like Paul, and then they grab the Paul. Yeah, right, and like they're grabbing it and pulling it up. And like, if you have not worked on body handling with your dog. Right. Like now you could be creating an issue for your dog anytime their paws are being touched for your vets, for your groomers, for mm-hmm. yourself, Be right? Good. For anybody else that might be, you know, touching your dog's paws and maybe not right then and there and maybe not today, but a year from now, you know, if this is prolonged and continues mm. going, your dog is more and more, you know, you, uncomfortable you, with it. Like, like you searched on a second ago, you lift that dog's paw up and you maybe like manhandle that dog and you cause like a sprain maybe you don't get the reaction, like an adverse reaction, like a bite or a growl that time. But the next time you go to pick that paw up, if he's got like a learned association, when you do this, you cause pain. That's when you're going to get bit. And yeah. that's that's also the time when people will call us and go, it came out of nowhere. Like, yeah. I, don't, I have no idea why he bit me. I'm like, because you just yeah. manhandled your dog and did it dislocate his fucking knee. Or, or how about, you know, how about the handler that allows stranger to do it? And the stranger sprains the dog, right? And now the next stranger yeah. comes up to the dog. Yeah. And he, oh, the dog but he was he was lashing. fine. He was fine last time. He, I don't know why he's doing right. it this time. Right. He's never reacted towards anybody. Well, you know, you've allowed for an improper interaction. Right? Like I would I would never allow somebody to start just manhandling my dog physically like that. And I I'm always, you know, I try and instruct people <laughs> when they you know, pet my dogs. My dogs are different too. So like I, I base it off of that, you know, Gracie needs to be sitting down because 
she will jump. You know, mm-hmm. she's little and people, people pet her when she jumps up, but not everybody does. So she like, I need her sitting down. She's just too much excitement. Mm-hmm. Bella, on the other hand, she has a tail for a whip. So it's always like, you know, you know, pet her here, you know, on the side, but be watch out for the tail. Like you're going (laughs) to want to keep your distance. And Gracie really is like, you can't loom over top of her. You need to be on her level and it's got to be her coming to you. Otherwise, like Bella, you could, you could run up to her and give her a big hug. She would, she whip the shit out of you with that tail though. Like it is, (laughs) it is brutal. Um, Gracie, on the other hand, if you did that, she would, she would run so far in the other direction. Mm -hmm. But if you get on her level and give her that time, she becomes so cuddly and nuzzles into you and becomes so affectionate. But Gracie needs to be able to do that on her own. It's important to know your dog and what they're comfortable with. And it's the same, like, again, I'm going to bring it around to our kids, right? Like, we're gonna try to model, like, for our kids, like, hey, look, this is how to interact appropriately. Um, not just for our dogs, but so that our kids can go and approach other people's dogs appropriately, or most of the point, yeah. maybe not approach other people's dogs. But like, <laughs> man, we are we we could talk about. I know we could talk about this for days. I know. I <laughs> know. <laughs> what I reckon we're gonna do, man. Um, I'm gonna ask you in a minute before we wrap up. But I'm also going to premise this um, with let's make sure that we do this in like a month or two's time when both of us are bleary eyed yeah. as hell. Because when we're, we're in like, the mix, yeah. It's like, oh, fuck are you, man. <laughs> <laughs> but Everybody's going to have to turn that episode like up on volume because we'll be whispering. Like, yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> what I want to ask you before you go is like, if you have anything else that you'd like to raise, like what's something important that you've done for prep um, or uh, something you'd like, so anybody that's, you know, maybe in a similar situation, like what's something you was important for you to say today that you haven't got out? I think, so as far as prep goes, you know, baby prepping, um, I think one of the biggest things that anybody and everybody can do, um, and it's not even uh, dog related, um, is thinking about your schedule uh, mm-hmm. and thinking about how your schedule is going to change and how you are still going to meet your dog's needs, right? Like just because you're, you know, you have a baby coming into the house doesn't mean that your dog requires less now. Um, if anything, they are probably going to require more because it is a huge environmental change. Um, so they are going to want some, you know, one-on-one time with you. Um, it doesn't have to be physical exercise, right? Like there is nothing wrong with sitting your ass on the floor and just letting your dog come over to you and letting them lay down and cuddle next to you and you just petting them. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, I would say that's some of the best interaction that you could get with your dog when you... I mean, all the time, but especially when you have a baby in the house um, that's new, right? Keep the environment calm because, you know, you have 18, at least years of in-home chaos ahead of you, you know, with a, with a new kid. Um, but, you know, the one thing that you can do, if nothing else, if you, if you are having a baby today, 
Um, the one thing that you can get started on is how am I going to incorporate dogs and baby into my schedule mm. to make it work? You know, not just giving physical exercise, but really mental stimulation more than anything. Um, you know, look to interact and play with them, um, you know, give them proper outlets and, and plan, plan ahead, um, for that so that you're not left with a dog who hasn't really gone out in three weeks and now starts destroying things when you are sleep deprived. Um, don't do that to yourself. Don't do it to your dog, your, your partner, right. Who just, you know, gave birth to a baby, like, you it's it's not that hard spend you know 15 to 30 minutes just thinking how is how is this all going to work out and what's my schedule going to look like um i think that's the the biggest prep anybody can do yeah yeah couldn't agree more man like identify like it doesn't have to be a rigid rigid plans are brittle and brittle plans break but like yeah have an idea of what you'd like this to look like, aim for it, be flexible, but at the same time, you know, steer that ship towards where you want to go, man. Like, yeah. You know, and, and you just said it now too. And you, you said it earlier, like, think about what you want it to look like, visualize, right? Mm-hmm. I, I tell my clients that like, close your eyes and think about when I say this word, what do I want it to look like? Mm-hmm. Right. Because if you have that, that vision in your head, it makes it a whole lot easier to carry out, you know, whatever actions in order to achieve that goal. And if, if you have no idea what it's going to look like, you know, you're, you might try a few things and make a few mistakes and get there eventually. But yeah, whether it's training, you know, in the moment or, you know, preparing for something, thinking about what you want it to look like, um, is I think a, a great step in, in the thought process. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, for me, it's it. it I, I'm, I'm always visualizing like, hey, look, this is what I want it to look like. This is because it puts a thing in my head of like, where am I going? Like, I'm not one to really wake up in the morning and not know what I'm doing. And that includes if I've taken a day off, right? If I am just decided, hey, look, I'm having a sofa day. I've actually already visualized that. I genuinely have. It's not like I'm doing nothing. I've actually actively visualized. I'm going to sit on the sofa, probably going to be on my phone. I'm going to chill out on the TV. But it's something I actually envisaged. I'm like, you yeah, know, this is this was the plan. Like, I don't feel yeah. guilty for doing nothing because I planned for this year. I'm busy all the rest of the week. <laughs> well, you know, I love that too because it's not the thought process. When you do that, the thought process isn't oh, I'm being a lazy shit. I'm not doing anything. It's mm. no, I'm I'm laying down. Right. Like laying, laying is a verb. That means you're doing something right. I'm relaxing on the couch. Like you are actively doing something when you, when you think it through that way, for sure. Mm. Yeah. I mean, thought process, whether it's in life or in training with our dogs, communicating with our dogs, you know, how we think through things and how we think about things and perceive that. I mean, it is massive it's massive it's it's where it all begins it's it, it's us right like dogs really are a reflection of owners in so many ways but the human dog bond starts with the human yeah um so i think it's very very important for us especially now we live in an age of technology and information um as as you know part of the course for this episode you when people have kids, 
They walk out of bookstores with stacks of books on how do I have a baby? What do I expect? This and that, you know, like 10 books. We get a dog on impulse because of looks, not having any understanding of breed, genetics, training histories, how to train, you know, different training methods. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Nobody buys one book. Maybe does a couple Google searches on how can I do this? You know, many times those Google searches might often end with like for free, right? Like, you know, which, you know, when we think of our dogs as babies and children and things like that, you know, they are an investment. Mm. So, you know, everything that is for free might be that way for a reason, right? (laughs) It is important when looking for information, you know, what's your source? I read dog training articles all the time and I always click on the link for the author mm-hmm. and I always see that the author has zero credibility in dogs at all. They're like some, I don't know, they're like a botanist and they're writing yeah. dog training articles. And, and they normally got, they don't, their skill is normally SEO. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's, I think for people just, you know, there's plenty of great information out there. There's plenty of great resources I think, you know, obviously as trainers, you know, I think the beauty in working with people like us, whether it's in person or virtually, is that we are that base of information. Mm -hmm. We've done this many, many, many times with all sorts of different dogs, right? Like dogs are not the same. Um, Even within breed, they're not the same. They all have different personalities, you know, we're the experts for a reason. We've seen these things. We've answered these questions time and time and time again. We've seen the results. Um, you know, we're, I think we're both dog enthusiasts, but we're also educators. Um, and we're educated. Like we have spent the time, the money, um, the energy and effort to enroll in classes, to learn more, to read scientific studies, to do all the things that are really hard and boring and, you know, sometimes make you want to scream, but are super useful, um, you know, and it's, it's how we're able to help people and give them the right tools and the knowledge. Beauty yeah. about a training community too is like, if I don't know the answer, I got, I got a bunch of friends that do the same shit that, you know, yeah. maybe they've seen it before, right? Like you're not finding that from Google. You're not finding that from nah. free dog training. You're not getting that from, well, I don't know what it is in Australia, but the pet stores like PetSmart and Petco in, in the U S yeah, same man. Like, they're not, you're, you're, you're just not going to get the same with working with somebody like us, you know, even the balance trainer, you're not going to get the same. Because we're going to look at you as the owner and your tendencies, right? We are going to place an emphasis on your role, not just getting the dog to perform certain behaviors. Yeah. It's 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 a life balance. It's not just obedience. Your dog will obey. I'm a doggy dictator. Like, no, no, <laughs> no this, they're, they're family members. So let's treat them as such. A hundred percent, man. And that leads me to an excellent like segue into the next question. Where can people find you? <laughs> yeah, so um, you can find me on Instagram uh, at allcanines215. Um, and canines is spelled out. Big reason for that, right? Canine is huge in the dog training world, but I love science. And, 
canine being the scientific name for our dog. Um, we are all canines. We're not canine sport dog. None Love of that. that. So all canines 215, um, with canines spelled out. And then as well, our website, um, is all canines.com. It's down here. I don't know if that's reverse or not, but, uh, all canines.com. Yeah. You can email us. Um, we have a number of different like training options. Um, we do in person, we do virtual. Um, we have a, a, a new service that we started, um, where it's text the trainer, right? So, you know, maybe you don't have, maybe you don't want to do calls and things like that. You know, people going back to the, the human element, people are nervous. Not everybody wants to sit on a phone call. Yeah. Somebody like me, they might feel more comfortable texting, but you can still get your answers, your questions answered, right? Um, you can send videos like, what is my dog doing here nice. and get really good feedback. You know, we want to bring people information. We want to educate them. We don't just want to teach them how to get their dog to do something because we think it's really narrow minded. We want to teach them the why behind it. You know, we're all canines for a reason. It's not, we're not all canines, you know, training your dog where we're all canines, you know, coaching you on how to be your dog's trainer. Yeah, man. I love that. That's why that's, uh, that's one of the reasons I'm really, really glad I got you on and like to talk to me today because that, that philosophy is something that really resonates with me. Um, I really encourage, encourage anybody listening to go and find, go and find Mike because it's, you're going to learn some things, but also you're just going to meet a really bloody good bloke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and well, thank uh, you. I'm going to make sure that all of the, all of the, anybody listening, go and, um, if you were a, they're, they're not, every single link that Mike, you can find Mike on, I'm going to make sure in the show notes is what I'm trying to get out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, this has been great. I, I really right. appreciate, appreciate you having me on and just kind of let me, let me talk. And, uh, no, it's been a lot of fun. A, a, a few, uh, fumble fuck my words a few times, a couple brain farts, but man, like, uh, when I get rolling on this stuff, sometimes I'm like spinning in a hundred different directions. Um, but it's so much fun to talk about this in a non work capacity. Yeah. Uh, because it's, uh, when I'm, it's stressful, I think sometimes when I'm working, cause people are looking at me for answers, you know, they want me to solve their problems and that's a, it's a big task to take, but the topic of dogs is just so interesting. I mean, we live with these animals there. We feed them, we pick their shit up. Like we lick their faces. <laughs> they lick ours, right? Like we do all sorts of weird shit with our dogs. Um, but they're such beautiful and wonderful creatures. They give us so much joy, so much life. I mean, how many people out there walk around saying like my dog saved me? Mm -hmm. There's, there's no other species in this world you know outside of another human yeah um i think where people are saying like this this life here saved me um so i i just think they're incredibly special creatures and i think there's a there's a real shift in whether it's coming starting um there's a real shift in how i think people will be approaching uh how they communicate and train their dogs. I think it's coming. I think it's, I think it's still in the beginning. 
phases. Um, but I think that military mindset is something that is going to start to go to the wayside um, just as we become more emotionally intelligent as a society. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. Could not agree more. That's just awesome. Mate, thank you so much for yeah, joining me today. Thank you. It's uh, a real privilege to have you on. I feel very it's fortunate. Thanks, man. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much for listening. That's it for this week, guys. If you ever want to ask questions, give feedback, or just provide some suggestions regarding the podcast, find me on Ian Shivers Dog Advocate on Instagram. I'll be happy to help. If you're feeling really generous, leave us a review on whatever platform it is that you're listening to this podcast on. And if you want to nerd out more with us, then find our sponsors because they're the ones that make all of this possible. See you next week. This episode is sponsored by Canine Caregivers. I've had so many people reach out to me over the years, not knowing where to turn to online for reliable and consistent advice on how to raise a healthy and happy dog. The information out there is hard to navigate. It's hard to know who to trust and who not to trust. And frankly, some of it is just downright dangerous. That's why we created Canine Caregivers, a place where you can come and get educational resources and access a supportive community founded on the care approach for people just like you, whether you've just brought a dog into your life or you've got a dog that is experiencing some unwanted behaviors. The content is updated regularly and we constantly keep in touch with our members to make sure that we are bringing relevant and up-to-date content that truly matters to you. There's different tiers of membership for different needs. So you can be sure that you don't have to break the bank to access the information that can literally make all the difference to the quality of life between you and your dog. Head to caninecaregivers.com.au to learn more.